Thank you. If, uh, if you've got your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And while you do that, I want to thank Pastor Caleb Martin for this opportunity to encourage and speak. And thank you, Shelbyville Christian Assembly, for allowing me to come and uh, fellowship with you. I'm going to read the scriptures, verses 1 through 7. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds prepared were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, through though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. He was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is, a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. If you would please bow your heads with me. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you have given us, this opportunity for restoration and redemption. Father God, thank you for the hope that we have. I, I pray, Father God, that you prepare our hearts to receive this message that you've prepared for us, and that we will not be just hearers only, but doers of your word as your faithful servants, Father. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this message is about faith. And it's, uh, it was several months this coming to me. So I'm going to give you a whole lot of information in a short time. And I guess I'm, I'm, I'm probably the least among you, and that's the truth. And, and Caleb, uh, Pastor Caleb, was, was being very uh, honest, as he always is, very upfront. And where I came from and who I've been and who I've become, there's a stark difference. I'm, uh, like I said, I'm the least among you. I'm just a kid in class that the teacher said, hey, hand this information out. Yes, sir. <laughs> so I'm here to hand out some information. But uh, I want to get into this word and explore it, faith. It's, it's only a little five-letter word, faith, but yet it encapsulates and it encompasses how we, the sick, the diseased, and the dying, touch the divine. God, and how we are healed, saved, and restored to a place of Adam's pre-disobedience and unfaithfulness. That's a lot. But that, that's the gospel. How important is it? Well, Ephesians 2.8 tells us that we're saved by grace through faith. So faith is pretty important. But yet, 
the church global has a real misunderstanding sometimes of faith. We've kind of gotten convoluted on it. We have some misideas, and, and honestly, we just have some false teaching. Sometimes I think we think that faith is a churchy way of saying believe. That's what we, we kind of perceive. But the literal definition of belief in the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary is an opinion of. An opinion of. And when it drops down there and it speaks about God, it says an opinion of pertaining to God. So, I mean, it's, it's really easy test to see if that's correct. I'm going to read this first verse again. By the way, this first verse is the literal definition of faith scripturally, and predominantly the rest of this chapter is examples of this formula of faith in action. So I'm just going to read it. It's, it's real simple. We'll take faith and we're going to substitute that with the definition of believe. So now, an opinion of is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Does that sound right? Let me go to Ephesians 2.8. We are saved by grace through an opinion of. Huh? Is, is that right? It's not right, is it? We know it's not right. I, I kind of grew up in a situation of believing faith was believe, but extra. So it was this mind-numbing believing where you just didn't think anymore and you just were so focused. I think I'm popping the mic, sorry. We were so focused on just on, on not having any doubt or unbelief. It's just this mind-numbing thing that we totally quit thinking and we quit being almost human and we get in some really weird believing in that. But... The faith isn't that either. But yet that is taught sometimes in churches and in ideas and opinions. And uh, there's, this, there's this other thing, and it's, it's very dangerous. And it's, Paul calls it the doctrine of demons, and it's, it's false teaching. It's this idea where you take Hebrews 11.1, 1, and then you take things that the flesh wants, and you put them in there, and then you believe God for them. The very things that Jesus warned us about in Luke eight fourteen, he calls them thorns, seeking, seeking wealth, seeking power, seeking of influence, seeking myself being platformed through wealth, right? I mean, that's what it is. And seeking pleasures of the flesh. But yet, there's teachings that tells us we can take that and we can insert it right here and 11, 1, and we can believe on it, and then God's going to, it's, it's almost like getting a loophole in the Bible, and we found a loophole around it, and now we're going to conjure up God, and we're going to get him to serve us, and give us what we want. That's, that's a tough one for the church. We've struggled with that for a long time, and it's the siren's call. It is the siren's song. And when we hear it, it's hard to lay off of it, and we all want to take as individual Agents of our free will, we want to direct our, our vessel towards this song because we like it. It appeals to our flesh. It appeals to what we want. And we go right to that singing, that song we hear, the siren song, and, and we crash our vessels on the rocks, having shipwrecked faith, and we walk away from the faith and saying there's nothing to it. Because there's a guy like me that stands up here and says, if you want big from God, you've got to give to God. And there's truth in that. But I'm the offer, offering plate for God, so give to me. And, and that's, that's false teaching. 
That's the doctrines of demons. The attack on the church doesn't come from the external, guys. It comes from the internal. Paul fought with it in Galatians. He fought with it with Timothy. It's through the scriptures. This, the, the enemy was smart. Out of the gate, jumped in there with false teachings and doctrines, and it grew up with us. Jesus talks about it in chapter 13, and I'm, I'm not going to get in that. That's not what this is about. I'd rather talk about what faith is. These are just a few things, though, that talks about what a false faith is, because we've convoluted this truth. We're given, we're given literal definition, but yet it's become convoluted, and because it's a message we like to hear, then we, we are drawn to it. So how does this happen? How do we get such a false idea? How do we get false thinking? Well, number one, if you'll, you don't have to turn there, just have to trust me on this, but over in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, it tells us that we are to assemble ourselves together to be encouraged, to encourage one another to go out and do good works for out there and to give love. See, church isn't your salvation. You don't come here and become saved. You come here to be encouraged to go out there and walk in faith. That's what church is for. It's assembling together. However, when we come together and then start to comparatively judge ourselves to other people in here and make that our mark of what a Christian is and what a Christian is not, we've already set ourselves up to fail. We've already been told that Jesus is the standard. You're always going to fall short, but that's where grace comes in. So Jesus is our standard. That's what we're to live up. That's the mirror that we look in to see if we're counterfeit, to see if we're actually in faith. So if we comparatively judge one another in here, I'm talking church globally, if we compare ourselves to one another to try to work this out, you're going to miss it. You're going to end up with some false ideas of faith you're going to miss what the scriptures tell us. Right? That's true. That's true. All right. So what is faith? This is, this is a very deep subject. Before we go into this, and, I, and I'm going to lay out where we're going to go and what we're going to do, I have to tell you this. Faith, we can't talk about unless we talk about grace. Because they're in tandem. You better hope they're in tandem. Right? Because I just read that Ephesians 2, 8, we're saved by grace through faith. And I think sometimes we read that and we think it's just framed up and the verbiage is such that it's almost mystical in a way. It's very strange verbiage. And we just shake our head and, well, you know, Jesus does it all. Jesus did the heavy lifting. He did what we couldn't do for sure. But what is faith? If our salvation is through it, we better figure it out. Correct? Right? All right, so in order for you to understand faith, for me to present this correctly, I've got to introduce you to grace, and we have to understand how these two work together. So I'm going to take us deeper into scriptures, and we're going to read, and we're going to do some deep dive study. But please keep your places in the Bible, because what we're going to do is we're going to go to another scripture, and we're going to have some stuff revealed to us. And then we're going to go even deeper in Scripture. And then we're going to get an understanding of some things. And we're going to take that understanding and we're going to start to come back up through the Scriptures until we end up back in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, in which we're going to open this up. And hopefully, 
If I do what I'm supposed to do and get out of the way, you'll get what you're supposed to get, and you'll have a much bigger understanding of faith and how it works. So, keep this marked, and if you would, please turn to Ephesians Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And before I even go in, I want to stop there, because I've heard some... I want to make a statement that the scriptures don't contradict itself. And I've I've heard teachings that because uh, James says in chapter 2, verse 26... That faith without works is dead. But I've heard this scripture quoted and says, well, Jesus does it all. Works really don't apply to us. It's more about us believing in Jesus. And he kind of does it all. And then James, he was speaking to the Hebrew people. They had a different idea. James was kind of more law-driven. So it was kind of a convoluted thing. None of that's true. And I'm going to show this to you and demonstrate it in the scriptures. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm just going to read it to you. So here's how I perceive it. And this is kind of how this was taught to me. If you're reading a verse and then you see another verse and they're in contradiction, the problem isn't the scripture. The problem is, is you're reading it wrong. You have a misunderstanding. The scriptures are like this. This one here is singing a note like in a, a vocal chord. They're singing the root note or the second part or the third part, but it's a harmony. Now, this one over here in this scripture, they're saying what they're saying. And this one over here is saying what they're saying. And if you're reading it right and you're understanding it, it creates this three-dimensional rendering of this harmony. And you start to understand it and get a much bigger idea of the scope of what the scriptures are truly saying. So if we're reading this and we're seeing this as... A note that doesn't ring with what James is saying, we're missing it. Because uh, they're in harmony. This book is in harmony with itself. So what does this mean? That you're saved by grace through faith. And not by works, lest any man boast. Well, hold on to this scripture. Because now we're going to go to 2 Corinthians. Verse 12. And we're going to go verses 7 through 10. And this is the fun part of the sermon. This, this is the fun part where we get pretty deep here. I get to talk about grace, and I love talking about grace. This is a unique place in the Bible that the Lord gives us the literal definition of grace. So I'm just going to read these scriptures, and then we're going to, we're going to dive into this one. And this is Paul writing, of course, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me to me a thorn in a flesh, in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. 
Most gladly, therefore, I rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So what's Paul saying here? So what Paul is saying here is the revelations. He's talking about his ministry. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason. These are revelations. This is his ministry. So I've come up, well, I don't know if I came up with it. I was given this example that it demonstrates the grace. So this is the situation. So Paul is given this ministry. And basically, I'm going to simplify this and just give a very rudimentary example So it's basically the Lord telling Paul, Paul, I want you to go to that stream and I want you to throw the rock across that stream. It's a hundred yards across that stream. You throw it across the stream. Paul's looking at this stream and says, there's no way. I'm good for 40 to 60 yards. There's no way I can throw it over there. I got all this stuff going on. I got people trying to stop me from doing it. I got other interferences. This can't I can't do it. So he goes back to God. God, I can't do it. I don't have the ability to do what you've asked me to do. I can't. Three times, it says, he goes back. And on the third time, this is what God tells him. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. Right? And then he doesn't say, my power is made perfect in your weakness. He just says, my power is made perfect in weakness. That's your definition of grace. That's definition. What's weakness? You cannot demonstrate weakness without effort. Weakness is a demonstration of lack of strength. If we say, hey, let's pick up this rock here. I don't know how strong or how weak you are. You might look strong, but be weak. You might look weak, but be strong. You can't demonstrate how weak you are until you try to pick up the rock. And then you show how weak you are. So in this example... Paul now is at, the, at this river, at this stream, and God finally tells him the third time, says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul, throw the rock. Do what I've told you to do. And Paul says, okay. It's, it, it's like this. We are called to deliver uh, the effort. We're not called to deliver the results. That's God's. God tells you to do something, the results are coming from Him. It's your best effort, but it's going to be feeble. You're going to miss the mark. So, Paul comes up to this stream, his ministry, and he throws the rock. And sure enough, 40 to 60 yards. It ain't going to make it, but God picks it and carries it, the additional, to the other side. Is this making sense? This is a lot. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So it is Paul's best efforts in diversity and persecutions. But God let him know these results aren't yours. Matter of fact, we know in the scripture, Paul says, this thorn of my flesh was given to me to keep from exalting myself. Why? Because Proverbs 3.34, 1 Peter 5 5 and 6, and James 4, 6 and 7 says, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists giving it to the proud. Was Paul successful in throwing the rock in his ministry? 
We're here talking about it, aren't we? It's nearly 2,000 years later, and we're still talking about it. But there was no place for Paul to get done and say, look what I've done. Look what I did for God. God told him, it ain't you. You already knew you couldn't do it. This is my grace. I get it done. You just give the effort. You're responsible for your effort. I'm responsible for the results. I'll make it happen. Throw the rock, Paul. Throw the rock. Effort is required. It's not an opinion of. So this is where we, in faithfulness, do what God asked us to do, even though we're not strong enough, even though we're not smart enough, even though the circumstances aren't ideal, even though you know it's going to fail. You're not responsible for the results. You are responsible for the effort. Throw the rock. Throw the rock. You cannot be in correct faith and his grace not be there. We're not responsible for the results. We're responsible for what he's given us to do. I can't help but wonder, let's put myself in in Paul's place. If I wouldn't throw myself up a nice chair... Sit back and wait for God to make me strong enough to do it. Well, Jesus did it all for me, so I'm going to sit here and wait on God. It does not say, my strength is made perfect in your patience. My strength is made perfect in your inactivity. My strength is made perfect as you sit and wait. It's in weakness. It's in a demonstration of lack of ability. you got to throw the rock. You got to do it. If the scriptures tells us to do it, you don't need a personal invitation from God to tell you to get up and throw the rock. We've already been told to throw the rock. Too many of us sit and wait for God to open doors. Too many of us sit and wait before we get busy for God to sure us up so we can fulfill the commandments of Christ and the Great Commission. God didn't say, I want you to go do it from your own results. He said, this is me. This is, I'm doing this. You just go give the effort. Okay? Now, let's go back to Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, how does grace and, and, and faith work? Faith is us getting up and throwing the rock even though we can't get it done. That's why, and, and, and keep in mind, who's writing this? This is the Holy Spirit, but this is still the pen of Paul. The same guy that just gave us the definition of grace in Corinthians, so that was written before this was written. He knew the definition of grace. When you see grace, it's just not a scriptury word to kind of frame up and give us a, a feeling. It has meaning and it has definition. So if we are saved by grace, it is God reaching out and giving the results in our feeble efforts of throwing the rock of what Jesus has given us to do. It's not by your works. You can't achieve it. If you could achieve it, you don't need Jesus. Right? Now, now let me show you. Paul... And James are in harmony. Because Paul is saying you're saved by God's grace through your faith of throwing the rock. But don't be deceived. You throwing the rock ain't getting nothing done. It is just your faithfulness of what he's told you to do. You're not saved by works. And James says that's right. But faith without works is dead. So if you don't get up and throw the rock, you're not faithful. 
That's just what it says, guys. I'm not making it up. And, And too many of us have this false teaching of this opinion of that Jesus does it all. And I don't have to be faithful to it. We talked about false doctrine. There's a couple of ways to protect yourself from there. Anybody who speaks the gospel to you, but puts you to you, for you, and all about you, it's a false gospel. Because the truth is, it is to me, through me, and on to everyone else. That's the gospel. We're servants. It's the family business. We're called into servitude. It's up to the basement. Welcome to the family. Jump in and help. Right? Now, and I'm going to go ahead and now read down from this. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the grace. It is the results in our best but feeble efforts that won't achieve it. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Exact same reason why Paul gave us of why he was given this thorn in the flesh. Because God will resist giving grace to the proud. He gives it to the humble. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. What's he saying? When we are built up, when we are trained, when our roots are grown, and we're being matured in the word, there are people... That God has already pre-planned in your path for you to help and take care of and show them the love of Christ. Think of it in these terms. David. It's a shepherd taking food out to his soldier brothers, the real soldiers, and came across the scene where this giant named Goliath had been there for 39 days prior. This is the 40th day. This was just not a big guy that scared everybody. This was a big guy that Israel had sent their best soldiers out day after day. And Goliath put them down, put them down, and put them down. The best of the best of the best. That's why Saul, the king, was in fear and didn't want to go face this giant by himself. And here comes David, right? So, it was David that came up on the scene and was given uh, food to his brothers and said, so what's going on? They told him. So what did David say? Let me tell you what we'd say. Oh, wow. Well, let me pray with you, brother. I got to get back to them sheep. I'll pray that God send a champion. That's not good works, is it? That's not throwing a rock. David said, I'll throw that rock. And God said, that's my boy, dude, like I showed you. So he walked out there and with faith, he stood while this giant ran his mouth. And David threw the rock. And God said, lay down, giant. And Jaws was dropping. Wasn't David didn't do that. That was God. That was his results and David's faithfulness to be obedient. And God didn't tap him on the shoulder and said, hey, David, I know that's, that's not your giant. That's actually Saul's giant, but go take care of that. He just seen the opportunity and did it. And God said, yep, you're ready. Let's get you ready for king. So, 
There's giants already slated for you in your life in the future. God's not going to tap you on the shoulder and say, there's a giant. That's the one I want you to tackle. It's just an opportunity. You're not going to have the ability to do it. You're not going to have the strength to do it. She's going to say, I'll throw the rock. I'm the only one here. It's good to pray for people, but it's not good to, to just pray and then walk away. We've got to be faithful. So you hearing how James and, and Paul are in sync now? How they're singing in harmony? Now, let's go back to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Let me give it to you in kind of how it was presented to me when I was in this, how it was kind of revealed to me. Now, faith is your action, your effort that supports and holds up the conviction of what Jesus said to be true, even though you've not seen it happen yet. That's what it says. Faith is what? Faith is what we are called to do. It's what we are prepared and called to do. It is our effort. It is not the results. So us taking the promise of what Jesus told us and trying to put what we want in there is out of Scripture. That's not what it's saying. This is faithful to what Jesus told us. What did Jesus tell us? We, we, we get kind of off path with this. We get all over the place and we always forget what he told us. When he was at the Last Supper, what did he tell his disciples? There's coming a day. The next time we meet, we'll be with the faithful the disciples, and we once again will raise a toast. It's redeemed. It's restored to a place of Adam's pre-disobedience, of Adam's unfaithfulness. See, guys, listen to me. When Adam was looking at that fruit, whatever it was, he was in an opinion of that God's a liar and Satan's telling the truth. But as soon as he took a bite, it was faith. And he made himself a new God. And he began to serve someone else other than God. And God had to watch his children be taken from him. And God made a way for us back to him. That's the gospel. He made, a, he made a way for us, the sick, the dying, the diseased, to be restored to a place where we have the right to choose. Before, we didn't have choice. Jesus gave us choice. So faith is the effort that we give that supports what Jesus said to be true, that that's our conviction. It is our faithfulness to his commandments to us. That's what it is. Now down in verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Let me, I, you know, and, and, and I understand, Noah gets taught a lot in Sunday school and a lot in churches, and there's a lot of different things. Noah was told something. I, we don't know objectively what all was given. We know that he was given, here, build an ark, here's how I want you to build it, and here's what I want you to do. That's what we know. 
We don't know if he was a boat builder. We know he wasn't an ark builder. This is the first time he's hearing this, right? He wasn't a house builder. In, uh, in 2 Peter 2.5, it just says he was a preacher of righteousness. We don't know. I don't know if he went back to God a couple of times like Paul did before God told him, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. Throw the rock, Noah. But we know he threw the rock. And we also know that in the process of throwing this rock, Noah knew the whole time he didn't have the ability to do this. Because the scriptures gives us information that confirms that. But Noah was faithful to what he was given. He didn't sit and wait for God to make him an expert ark maker. God didn't, you know, download in him miraculous ability. He just said, go do it. I'll be faithful to it. And he was. He was faithful. He did it. A lot of years, a lot of time, all of his resources, he was faithful to God. Through all of this. Through all of this. To the point when he got done with the ark, and they're all sitting there looking, and it's starting to rain. He knew this thing ain't going to float. Because it tells us in Genesis seven nineteen that God shut them in after they were all on board. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? I, I don't know. Does that mean that he didn't account for the wood shrinking up after he cut it? I, I don't know. Does that mean that the door, like some of us believe, was truly so heavy he couldn't shut it? I don't know. Maybe. It, that's all subjective. It doesn't tell us. It just says that God shut him in. Noah, with all of his might, throws this rock and it's going down. It's starting to rain. This thing ain't going to float. And God says, I got you. Here's my grace. It's done. I got you. It's okay. You were faithful to what I, you, what I told you to do. I will be faithful. Remember, I told you, faith is how we, the sick, the dying, the diseased, touch the divine. God. Through restoration and salvation. Through our faithfulness. And he provides the results. Faith is an action word, guys. Faith is an action word. If your faith isn't got legs on it, it's not faith and it's an opinion of. We, the church, need to focus on what we were given to do. We've lost sight. We've gotten everything convoluted. We've forgotten what our primary mission here is. And that's to be faithful to what we were given to do. Church is fantastic. Assembling together is encouraging. Hopefully you're being encouraged by this. Hopefully I'm out of the way and the message is there for you. But ultimately, at the end of the day, this is just encouragement. You have to walk in faith out there. And here it's an opinion of. Paul says, I've ran my race. Are you running your race? Or are you on the starting line still waiting for God with a chair in an opinion of? Are you faithful? Are you giving him reason? There will come a day where it begins to rain. Whether it's by natural timing out of our time here, or Jesus comes to say, that's it, I'm going to shut this down. Come on. But it's coming. There's a storm coming. Make sure you're building your ark. Because if Noah would have waited until it's raining, it's too late. He wouldn't have been faithful. I think we need to refresh. We need to reconnect. 
We need to refocus on what our priority is. And with that, I'm going to bring us back into shore. I hope that I did get out of the way, and I hope that you was encouraged, and I hope that you hear what I believe the Holy Spirit was speaking to us, that faith is not an opinion of. God does not serve us, guys. We serve him. And he is faithful to those who come to him in faith, with grace. That's why it's in Jesus. All right. At this time, I'd like to ask Pastor Caleb Martin, please come on up, sir. And I'm going to allow you to, or ask you to please take us out how you see fit. And thank you.